This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Just because you're working out doesn't mean you shouldn't look fabulous. The Inspire Collection by Kalia was designed with both style and performance in mind. It looks good, feels good, and stays put no matter how you move. And the collection has everything you need for a day at the gym. A support bra, crop tanks, bike shorts, amazing leggings, and more. It's their most versatile collection yet. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Zenit bounded over the hard-packed sand, sniffing the air before shaking the dust off his glossy fur. The four-year-old German Shepherd loved the excitement that came from exploring a new environment. He and his impassive trainer, Jose Armenta, had only been in Afghanistan for three brief months, and every day offered new smells, new sounds, and new experiences. Zenit wagged his tail as Jose calmly produced one of his favorite toys, a chewy, rubber, treat-stuffed Kong. The shepherd wriggled impatiently, but when he heard the command, stay, he obediently remained rooted to one spot. He pricked his ears forward, listening for Jose to praise him for his deference. But Jose said nothing. He was sometimes stingy with praise. Meanwhile, Jose hid the toy somewhere just out of sight. Zenit sniffed at the air, then crept forward, nose to the ground. Finally, he identified it and barked to notify Jose of his success. Jose responded with a gruff, good boy, and an affectionate scratch behind the ears. Jose wasn't typically very demonstrative. This was usually the strongest reaction Zenit could evoke. In moments, the game began again. Zenit didn't know that his playtime was actually training. The skills he learned now would soon help him save lives. But none of that mattered to Zenit. He just wanted to make Jose happy. And maybe, one day, his master would show the same affection to him. Welcome to Dog Tales, a podcast original. Every week, we tell the stories of historic, heroic canines. We'll profile dogs who saved people from earthquakes, went to outer space, and even spurred the invention of Velcro. If you're looking for fun stories and a warm heart, you're barking up the right tree. I'm your host, Alastair. 
You can find episodes of Dog Tales and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Dog Tales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. This week, we're telling the story of Zenit, a German shepherd who was trained as a bomb-sniffing dog and deployed to Afghanistan in 2011. Zenit's trainer, Jose Armenta, always kept him at arm's length. Their dangerous line of work meant he could lose Zenit at any moment. But a sudden tragedy brought the two closer together than ever. Growing up in the 1990s, few things were stable for Jose Armenta. He was raised by a single mother on the tough streets of East LA. His childhood was marked by perpetual worry about how to pay rent and frequent evictions and moves. In 13 years, Jose attended 15 different schools. It was hard to make and keep friends, but he could always depend on his loyal dogs, a pit bull, a Dalmatian, and a Pekingese chow chow mix named Bandit. His pets were reliable in a way that people weren't. They were a constant in his unpredictable life. Naturally, Jose became a dog person. The dogs always watched out for him, and like them, he grew up with a fierce protective streak. He learned to always stick up for the defenseless and to oppose bullies. It only made sense that he'd devote his adult years to serving others by defending his country. As soon as he turned 18 in July 2007, he enlisted in the Marines. During basic training, Jose's superiors noticed his affinity for dogs. He was assigned to the dog handling division, where he helped train bomb-sniffing canines. His primary duty was to teach the dogs to identify improvised explosive devices, or IEDs. These homemade bombs had become ubiquitous throughout the Middle East since the United States invasion of Iraq in March 2003. The bombs were often out of sight and could be as small as an envelope. IEDs were usually buried in public areas, so anyone could be killed or injured in an explosion. Soldiers were victims as often as civilians or children. That was where the dogs came in. While IEDs could be made of many different materials, most included chemicals like ammonium nitrate. A dog trained to recognize the scent can sniff out bombs that are virtually impossible for humans to detect. Jose's first canine partner was a Belgian Malinois. His name isn't known publicly, so we'll call him Hap. He already had experience with bomb sniffing, which meant Jose didn't have to train him. Instead, Jose focused on getting to know him. 
Jose quickly found that life in the K-9 unit was utterly unlike the rest of the base. As a National Geographic article on Jose explained, the military seemed a little more humane in those moments when he was rewarding a dog by roughing its neck fur or giving it some fawning praise. The dog helped keep Jose human. Just like during his volatile childhood, Jose found that on the base, his dog Hap was his anchor, his safe space. They quickly became close companions and Jose was eager to take his new friend out into the field. But they never got deployment orders. For whatever reason, there was no need for Jose and Hap on the front lines. And after all the time spent building a rapport, they were each assigned new partners. The loss of his friend hit Jose hard. Suddenly, dog training didn't seem like such a humanizing experience anymore. Jose had opened up to Hap, but also opened himself up to heartache. He resolved to never feel this way again. After all, this animal wasn't his pet. It was a military asset. Jose wasn't supposed to get attached, so he let Hap go. He did his duty, even if it broke his heart. Jose made a new resolution. Next time, he wouldn't get attached to the dog. He'd see the animal the same way the military did, as a tool. He'd train it, he'd gain its trust, and he'd serve at its side. But he wouldn't love it. As Jose explained in an interview with NPR's Terry Gross, I was used to not being emotionally attached to anything. I had already had to leave a dog to another handler, and so it was clear that I couldn't become attached to any dog. Soon enough, it was time for Jose to meet his new partner. This time, he was allowed to teach a new, untrained dog from scratch, and he could choose his companion. Belgian Malinois were a popular choice because they were focused and handled the desert heat well. But it was too soon. Jose still missed his former partner, Hap. He wanted to consider other military dog breeds. Labrador Retrievers were smart and didn't tire easily, which meant training was straightforward. But they were also known to be sensitive to their handlers' emotions and didn't always cope well with stress. The high stakes of bomb sniffing were a poor fit for labs. On the other hand, Jose was intrigued by what he'd heard about German Shepherds. He liked their reputation for being driven and focused. Plus, Jose had never worked with one before. He thought it would be nice to change things up. So, he requested a young Shepherd for his next trainee. In the spring of 2010, 21-year-old Jose met his new partner at Texas's Lackland Air Force Base. He was given a briefing on Zenit, a 78-pound, two-year-old German Shepherd. Zenit failed to impress Jose at their first meeting. He was hyper, still young, and a bit unfocused. In addition, the dog was, as the National Geographic put it, too sweet. But Jose wasn't looking for a lifelong pet. He reminded himself that Zenit was, above all, 
an asset. And it was Jose's job to get him ready for the field. As the trainer, Jose had to keep the dog with him at all times. They slept together, they ate together, they practiced together. The close quarters made it hard for Jose to maintain emotional distance. He regularly reminded himself that he was just Zenit's teacher, nothing more. He focused on training to keep himself from developing an attachment. Instruction lasted for 13 months. Zenit was only two years old, barely out of puppyhood, and didn't always have the patience for hours of structured stimulation. Sometimes, Zenit could only focus on his daily lesson for five minutes. But Jose was patient. Over time, Zenit would learn. His toys were scented to smell like ammonium nitrate, a common IED ingredient. During their training sessions, Jose would hide a favorite plaything, usually a rubber chew toy. Then he'd give Zenit the command to find it. If Zenit identified the toy and notified Jose with a bark, he'd get a treat or the classic verbal affirmation of, good boy. But if Zenit didn't find it or didn't properly signal, he didn't get a reward. Each time Zenit found a particularly well-hidden toy, Jose felt a thrill of excitement that he had to tamp down. When Zenit learned to recognize a new scent, Jose longed to enthusiastically celebrate, but he resisted the urge to roll and play with his canine partner. Soon, Zenit reached a point where he found the ammonium nitrate-scented toy nearly every time. If Zenit could apply these skills in the real world, he'd be an exceptional bomb-sniffing dog. But Jose worried that all their work still wasn't enough. After all, in a matter of time, they wouldn't be playing with rubber toys and tennis balls anymore. They'd be looking for bombs. After months of training, it was time for Zenit to prove himself. In the fall of 2010, the big day arrived. Time for his bomb-sniffing certification test. The exam required Jose and Zenit to walk through a model Afghan village. Various fake bombs were planted on the course for Zenit to find. But Jose was also being tested. He was responsible for spotting unscented but visible tripwires. The pair had to find at least 80% of the bombs to pass the test. U.S. military policy prevents them from commenting on individual dogs' training and testing process, so we don't know exactly how Zenit and Jose's exams played out. But we can make some educated guesses based on how these sorts of tests are usually structured. The pair probably walked the course at least 40 times in five days. The route was divided into five distinct areas, including buildings, open fields, warehouses, and regions with parked vehicles. Zenit would have had to identify at least one bomb with each chemical scent. 
the exams were certainly gruelling. The days were likely long. And if Zenit or Jose's scores slipped, they'd have to restart the training process all over again. Luckily, they passed. Jose felt a sense of pride, not only for his own accomplishments, but for Zenit's. But he didn't celebrate too much. He reminded himself once again that Zenit wasn't his dog. He was a tool. And even though Zenit had passed the test, there was no guarantee that they had a future together. Zenit was likely to be reassigned to a new trainer after his initial deployment with Jose ended. Jose had already been through a loss like this once with the Malinois. But he'd known Zenit longer, had trained him for over a year. Zenit's reassignment had the potential to cut that much more deeply. And of course, with one misstep, he could lose the dog in an IED explosion. So it was best not to get too attached. In the summer of 2011, 22-year-old Jose got his orders to ship out. They were going to Helmand province in southern Afghanistan. Zenit was a perceptive dog. Maybe he picked up on Jose's tension as they packed up their possessions and headed to the airport. Both of their lives were about to change. For months, Jose had held Zenit at arm's length, but the challenges the trainer and dog were about to face would push them closer together than ever. After this, Jose and Zenit go on their first bomb-sniffing mission. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now back to the story. In the summer of 2011, 22-year-old Jose Armenta and the German Shepherd canine officer he'd trained, four-year-old Zenit, were deployed to a six-month stint in Afghanistan. Jose struggled to maintain an appropriate emotional distance from Zenit. All it would take was one misstep in a minefield, and Jose could lose Zenit forever. And even if they both survived their mission, 
Zenit could easily be assigned to another trainer after those six months. He didn't want to open his heart to a dog that seemed destined to be taken away. So Jose was extra vigilant about his own feelings. He even reminded himself that in the eyes of the military, Zenit wasn't a dog. He was a tool. His paperwork reflected this, referring to him not by name, but by serial number, N103. And Jose wasn't going to get too attached to N103. He applied this standard to his fellow Marines. When other men and women tried to play with Zenit or slip him treats, Jose would argue, he's not a pet, so don't play with him too much. This restriction was standard operating procedure for service dogs. Too much coddling might make it easier for Zenit to get distracted, and he couldn't afford to lose his focus. In addition, Jose had to ensure that Zenit felt closer to him than to anyone else. He needed to obey Jose's, and only Jose's, commands. Given that the trainer already held the dog at arm's length, he had to be particularly careful that no one else formed a bond with the canine. In spite of Jose's gruffness, Zenit remained loyally at his side. Afghanistan was a strange, unfamiliar place for the dog. Jose was his only anchor to the world he'd previously known. The first half of their deployment was uneventful. Every day, Jose waited for orders to go out looking for IEDs. For three months, he heard nothing. Finally, in August of 2011, Jose got the word. Intel suggested that Taliban fighters were planning to blow up the nearby Kajaki Dam. If the structure blew, it would cause a massive flood and destroy a village in the Helman Valley. Jose and Zenit weren't just protecting themselves or their division. They were potentially saving an entire town full of civilians. For days, Jose and Zenit patrolled the area around the Kajaki Dam, seeking bombs and finding nothing but they kept searching, and they kept coming up empty. Jose and Zenit never found bombs, and the dam never blew. The endless, fruitless patrols only heightened Jose's sense of imminent doom. Every day, he heard reports of hits on other bases, Men and dogs he trained with were killed or injured. It felt like only a matter of time before Jose or Zenit found themselves in a life-or-death situation. On August 28, 2011, 22-year-old Jose awoke to a new report. Overnight, the Taliban had allegedly planted several IEDs in the valley just outside the army base. To prepare for the search, Jose put on special equipment, including Kevlar undergarments designed to hold his body together 
if he should accidentally step on a bomb. Zenit got special protective equipment too, but it was hot and heavy. He wouldn't last much longer than an hour or two in the desert heat. Zenit especially hated the shoes that protected his feet from scorched sand. Luckily, the ground in the valley was lush and green, so they weren't necessary this time. When they arrived in the valley at 10 a.m. on the 28th, the tension in the air was palpable. It was over 120 degrees, so hot that Zenit had to wear an IV of water to stay hydrated. Jose tried to swallow a breath of hot, dry air and gave the order for Zenit to begin playing his game. The pair moved forward, crisscrossing the ground in a search pattern they'd learned during training. If they patrolled correctly, they wouldn't miss any buried bombs. It was slow, careful going. Jose and Zenit took the lead. They had several men and women behind them, but the bomb detectors took on all the risk. With each step Zenit or Jose took, a Marine behind them carefully marked the ground with shaving cream. This way, the trailing troops would know where it was safe to step. Only a few strides down the path, Jose spotted a buried IED, the first he'd ever found in the field. A few steps later, Jose saw a bit of wire poking out of the ground. He pointed it out to his crew behind him. That was two bombs very close together. The placements suggested they were highly concentrated. Al-Qaeda had placed them at nearly every feasible entrance into the valley. All the more reason to be cautious. A few feet further, and Jose recognized Zenit's telltale behavior. He stopped walking and went utterly still, his nose pointed forward. The dog had found a third bomb, his first outside of practices and test sessions. Jose had to be careful about how he responded. He didn't want to get too excited or too scared. Zenit could pick up on that and break his focus. But still, he needed to praise the dog for his good work. During training, he'd been taught, emotion runs through the leash. Dogs are sensitive and pick up even minute changes in their master's emotions. So Jose said nothing, gave little reaction, and trusted that Zenit would still sense that he'd done well. While Zenit sniffed at the ground, Jose allowed himself to let his guard down just a little. The search was going well. He took a step off the path and suddenly found himself on his back. Searing pain coursed through his body. His life was in danger. On some level, he knew that he'd stepped on a bomb and had been blown off his feet. 
But in the heat of the moment, he couldn't think rationally. All he could focus on was the pain and the fear. He shouted, do I still have my legs? But as he lay for several seconds that felt like an eternity, another worry entered his mind. Had Zenit been hurt? He called for the dog. Where's Zenit? The Marines nearby assured Jose that Zenit was okay. The dog had been standing a full 20 feet away when the bomb had gone off. He hadn't even been injured. But Jose wasn't so lucky. The force of the blast had blown his legs to pieces. He was bleeding profusely. His companions rushed to save his life. A medic put a tourniquet around Jose's waist. Another Marine called for an emergency extraction. And all the while, Jose kept asking about Zenit. The German shepherd padded over and lay down beside Jose. His ears were pressed back with worry. Everyone was shouting and running. It was loud and chaotic, and he could certainly smell Jose's blood. Zenit was probably as scared as any person there. But ever obedient, he pressed his head against his paws and stayed down, out of the way. He didn't leave Jose's side. He wasn't willing to let anyone separate him from his master. Jose's team knew that they had about an hour to get him to the hospital before the wounds turned fatal. But help didn't come right away. That same day, a soldier with another division was also injured in the field. There weren't enough emergency medics to respond to both accidents simultaneously. Jose had no choice but to wait while the other soldier was transported to a hospital. As the minutes ticked away, Zenit stood guard over Jose. Jose was starting to piece together what had happened to him. He knew he couldn't afford to fall asleep. If he did, he'd likely never wake again. Just in case he didn't survive, he wanted to set the record straight. He pulled one of his fellow Marines close and announced that the explosion was his mistake. He was the one who'd activated it. He wanted to ensure that Zenit wasn't blamed. The Marine assured Jose that he wouldn't let anything happen to Zenit. They kept talking. It was a good way to keep Jose distracted while they waited for treatment. Finally, two hours after the explosion, a helicopter arrived. It loaded two individuals, Jose and Zenit. The German shepherd wasn't leaving his side. Zenit rode with Jose all the way to the hospital. They were only separated once it was time for Jose to go into emergency surgery. 
While the doctors were able to save Jose's life, they couldn't save his legs. They were both amputated at the knee. After the surgery, Jose spent a month slipping in and out of consciousness. Thanks to the trauma of his injury and the painkillers he was taking, Jose wasn't always fully aware of what was going on around him. Many nights he'd wake up calling, Zenit, Zenit. But Zenit didn't come when he was called. He'd been taken away. During their service together, Jose had feared two things, that Zenit might die in the field or that he'd be reassigned to another trainer. Now that Jose was out of commission, he couldn't serve anymore. But Zenit was still a useful asset. He had been transferred to a new division. Jose's fear had come true. Right when he opened himself to love the dog, Zenit left his life, seemingly forever. Four-year-old Zenit, or as the military had designated him, N-103, was sent to additional training while his handlers tried to determine whether Jose's injury was due to the dog's failure. Although Jose had insisted that Zenit wasn't at fault, this examination was standard procedure after IED accidents. Zenit successfully completed all of his follow-up exams and was given a new partner. He still had another three months remaining of his initial six-month deployment, and the military was going to see that Zenit performed his duties. He logged over 50 bomb patrols while Jose was healing. During this time, Zenit identified just one more bomb. He wasn't present for any more explosions or injuries. In Zenit's absence, 22-year-old Jose tried to rebuild his life as best as he could. He adjusted to life in a wheelchair and underwent extensive physical therapy, learning to walk again on his prosthetic legs. He returned home and resettled into civilian life. He married his fiancée, Eliana, in early 2012, six months after the explosion. His friends noted that Jose seemed surprisingly well-adjusted after losing his legs. His physical therapist, Dawn Golding, observed, he always came in joking and upbeat. You could hear him cranking his motivational music when he walked down the hall. But something was missing. His loyal dog, who'd been at his side for so many months, who'd even ridden with him in the helicopter in his hour of need. Jose knew his life wouldn't be complete until Zenit was back home with him. He was determined to have the German Shepherd discharged from duty and then to adopt him as a pet, a member of his and Eliana's new family. But Jose, was about to find out that taking a service dog home 
presented new challenges he'd never anticipated. Up next, Jose saves Zenit in more ways than one. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. If you're looking for plump lips at last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all gel fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit www.juvederm.com. Now, back to the story. After he lost his legs in an IED accident on August 28, 2011, 22-year-old Jose Armenta was committed to reuniting with his partner in the field of duty, the four-year-old German shepherd, Zenit. But Jose soon learned that this was easier said than done. The army didn't have any formal process to release dogs from service or let their trainers adopt them. It was that same old attitude again. Military canines were assets, not pets. And the Veterans Services Department wasn't equipped for people to get emotionally attached to their field equipment. Jose placed phone call after phone call, but never felt like he was making progress. He filled out paperwork, never certain if the form would go anywhere. Days stretched into weeks, and then into months. Still, Jose didn't get a firm answer. As he later explained in an interview, I was angry. I didn't want Zenit in danger anymore. I wanted him back home with me. All the while, he worried. The last thing he wanted was to wait too long and let his dog die alone in a strange country. For months, Jose had struggled to keep the German Shepherd at a distance. But now that they were separated, he was determined to have his dog back by his side. After an endless series of phone calls and paperwork, Jose learned that Zenit had been released from duty and transferred to a base in California. But he still wasn't up for adoption. So Jose placed even more calls, filled out more forms. Months passed. The cycle seemed endless. 
Finally, in June 2012, Jose got the answer he'd been seeking for over a year. Zenit was released from duty. From there, it was just a bit more paperwork for Jose to become his new owner. On a warm summer day, Jose and his wife Eliana drove three hours to Texas's Lackland Air Force Base. During the car ride, Jose grappled with fear and doubt. He and Zenit had only served together briefly, and a year had passed since they last saw each other. He was terrified that Zenit wouldn't remember him. Plus, Jose had worked so hard to maintain emotional distance from the dog. Maybe the German Shepherd didn't feel like they had a bond. Maybe Zenit didn't want to be adopted. Maybe this whole process had been a mistake. As he climbed out of the car and passed through the base's once familiar streets, Jose felt a lump forming in his throat. It only grew when he saw the trainer holding Zenit on his leash. The dog, as always, was well-behaved, stoically standing by his handler's side. But as soon as Zenit saw his former partner, he ran forward, straining against his harness. He jumped up on Jose's wheelchair, giving him a flurry of wet kisses on the face. For the first time in his life, Zenit wasn't an asset. He was Jose's pet. And Jose was delighted to have the German Shepherd back in his life. He said, I couldn't stop smiling. For days. Actually, I'm still smiling. It felt like the beginning to this new life. Jose had learned his lesson. He wasn't going to hold Zenit at arm's length ever again. As soon as they returned home, Zenit demonstrated that he was ready for his new lifestyle by doing something that had never been permitted in Afghanistan. He jumped onto the couch for a nap. But Jose soon came to realize that the quiet, placid life wasn't ideal for a former military dog. Zenit was used to regular practice and to the highly regimented military routine. Now, at home, he didn't know what to do with himself. He spent his days on edge, anxiously waiting to get out into the field. Jose described the dog's anxiety in an interview with NPR's Terry Gross, saying, he would just sit there and stare at me and wait for a command. It's possible that Zenit was one of the 5 to 10% of service dogs that develop canine post-traumatic stress disorder. Like its human equivalent, canine PTSD has many symptoms, but the most obvious is that service dogs become hypervigilant. They're always on edge, watching for the next possible danger. Unlike people, Dogs can't enroll in talk therapy or even communicate to their trainers what they're feeling. So it's particularly difficult to treat canine PTSD. 
The condition wasn't discovered until 2007, and military dog trainers are still working out the best ways to manage it. According to Lackland Air Force Base's Walter Berghardt, a dog's best chance at recovery comes when the symptoms are spotted early. Even then, only about half of all diagnosed canines recover enough to finish their deployment. The good news is that even in severe cases, these dogs can still live a long and happy life. They're no longer fit for service, but an animal suffering from canine PTSD can still be a beloved pet. And since Zenit's deployment was concluded, that was all he needed to do. Jose wanted to give Zenit the best life he could, but he came to realize that didn't mean luxury and leisure. Zenit needed mental stimulation. He needed challenges, somewhere to put all of his anxious energy. So they set aside time every day to play. Now, nobody had to worry about hidden bombs, but Zenit still regularly went on toy hunts. It was a rigid lifestyle, not unlike what he'd experienced in the military. But the pressure was off him. He could just play for the fun of it. Zenit relished the comfort of returning to his old routine, but he still got to enjoy some perks of civilian life. Jose spoiled his dog. He let Zenit try all kinds of new treats, including his new favorite food. As Jose explained, now he chases his tail and digs holes in the yard and loves steaks. I don't think he even knew what a steak was, so he's changed a lot. Five-year-old Zenit got to live out a second puppyhood, and for the first time, he received the unrestricted, unabashed love of his master. In June 2014, they shared a write-up in National Geographic. Zenit graced the cover under the headline, Hero Dogs. In the profile, Jose emotionally described his strong connection with Zenit. He's like my quiet partner. He bridges three worlds, the person I was before Afghanistan, the one I was there, and the one I became after. After their National Geographic profile, the man and his dog mostly stayed out of the public eye. Jose and his wife Eliana adopted two Boston Terriers and, in March of 2014, their first son was born. Dogs, baby, husband and wife were a happy family. And they kept things simple. Playing fetch, belly rubs, treats. It was a good life. One that Jose and Zenit deserved after serving their country and saving each other. Thanks for listening to Dog Tales. For more information about Jose Armenta and his dog Zenit, we found the piece The Dogs of War from National Geographic, and Jose's interview with Terry Gross on NPR especially helpful to our research. Every dog has his day, and our day is Mondays. 
we'll be back then with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Dog Tales for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Dog Tales on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Join us next week for another good story about a good dog. Dog Tales was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Trent Williamson. This episode of Dog Tales was written by Angela Jorgensen, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Alastair Murden. <laughs>